for each of us, then, the value of worship is slightly different based on that backdrop. But you guys come at it from a contemporary perspective. Is that fair? What do you mean by contemporary, exactly? No hymns, no organs. Right. Well, we can't say no hymns. I don't use an organ unless it's like a pad in the background. We sang, yeah, we sang some hymns, but a lot of it was not hymns. Okay, no hymns to organs. How about that? But we we have to state, at least I have to state, I think there is a place and a time for hymns. It is our background uh, in worship. It is where we began, where we're grounded. But what I do not like, and I don't know if you're going here at all, because I hear this all the time at churches when they're trying to transition from a more traditional hymn, organ, piano background to a contemporary worship background, that it's it sounds too worldly. It sounds too worldly. We don't we don't want this because it sounds too okay. Time out. Let's go back in music history. Because where were the t- where did the tunes come from in hymns? Bars and saloons. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Bars. Welcome to the 42 Podcast, where we discuss life together, looking for answers to life, the universe, and, well, everything else. Here are your hosts, Rob and Lindsay. All right. Well, hey, Lindsay, how you doing? I'm most excellent. How are you on this fine Tuesday morning? Good. And and we have a third chair in here with us today, which is going to be fun, and uh, we'll introduce you in a moment, and he's staring at us blankly. <laughs> But we're going to talk about some stuff today. What are we talking about? We're going to be discussing worship. What it is. Worship. And That's not a loaded topic at all. It's a big topic. And we have got an expert on our show. <laughs> yeah, because I accidentally threw down a bit of a gauntlet in... Uh, that was that bonus episode or something, wasn't it? A while back? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he picked it up, he he pushed back and challenged me a bit, so it was, okay, you get to come on the podcast. And uh, so this morning we have TJ with us. Hey guys. TJ, how you doing? Doing good. And uh, TJ, what makes you our expert on worship? Oh, uh, let's uh, just get out of the gate. There is, I am no expert. Uh, <laughs> no expert. You say expert and I almost threw up on my mouth a little bit. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, I have been doing worship for, uh, I mean, as a full-time job going on 13 years, um, I did worship a lot, uh, in high school growing up. Um, I actually played the trumpet in middle school and elementary school and, uh, quickly realized when I got to high school that that was not cool. Um, and so uh, picked up the guitar and thought I could sing, so why not put singing and guitar together um, and do praise music? That's when like praise and worship was starting to get uh, a little bit more involved, not just organ, piano. Uh, Chris Tomlin was getting, you know, starting to get pretty, pretty big at that time. Um, you had guys like David Hunt. 
that were writing music, and we did a lot of his stuff in youth ministry. Um, and so I've done a lot of not paid gigs. I've done a lot of paid gigs, uh, but ultimately I just really enjoy uh, leading worship and leading people to the throne room of God and being a part of that. So, all right. So I'm I got to pick on something that you said early in in that little little introduction. So in your professional opinion, then, you're saying high schoolers, it's better to play guitar and sing to pick up chicks than play the trumpet? Uh, is that really a question? I, I, w- I would... Well, I, I guess... play trombone, Okay, so... so I guess it's a matter of what chicks do you want to pick up. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Sorry, I gotta, I gotta derail us a little bit at some point, you know? I mean, always. We only have an hour, right? Oh, yeah. Might as well do it early. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. So you've been doing this since you were a student in youth ministry programs or a youth ministry program. I mean, I always kind of like sang at church and stuff like that, but never was really the leader of anything. Um, My 11th and 12th grade year, I actually became the worship leader of the youth group. Um getting everything together, putting the set list together. Um, and it was really awesome because my youth pastor not only encouraged it, but um, kind of like discipled me in that and helped push me to a place where I was the one making those decisions instead of just making them for me and saying, do this. And um, I really think he is one of the big reasons why I am where I am today. Quick question. So... yeah. At what point? I mean, you're obviously musically inclined. You've. When did you first start to play an instrument? Uh, first started to play trumpet in second grade, I think it was. Second so grade. So I was seven. Um, was in choirs, you know, probably like right out of my mama's womb. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> like I said, took up guitar around eleventh grade. So um, my parent, my mom's really musical. She was a choir teacher. She was in musical theater. Um, my sister can sing. My dad can sing. Um, so I mean, everybody has a little bit here and there. Like my dad's a bass. Um, if you're talking, you know, choral structure. Uh, my sister's uh, alto. My mom's a soprano, and I'm actually a tenor. So it's really funny how that all worked out. Hmm. Um, and I'm more of like a baritone. If you actually know choral stuff so mm-hmm. it's in between tenor and bass because um, I don't sing as high as like Chris Tomlin when he comes out with skinny jeans I also don't sing as low as some <laughs> others um, so <laughs> can we address this okay I'm sorry what is it with skinny jeans and worship leaders it makes you sing higher are you wait are you being serious it's better than uh, Roman ancient Roman ways of making you sing higher let's just put it that way no I'm not being serious come on <laughs> All right, so I'm a little gullible with this because I mean, I feel like I would sing higher wearing a pair of skinny jeans. It's. <laughs> I also feel like that would probably clear out the sanctuary pretty quick. Uh, so I, I, I never got into the skinny jean fad, um, like the super skinny stuff. I do wear slim jeans because I don't like all the bagginess at the bottom of my like feet where my ankles are. Um, but that's just personal preference. Um, 
the skinny jeans thing, every everything's a fad. So if you look at Elevation, Bethel, Hillsong, what are they doing? Everybody else in that genre of worship church is probably going to copy it um, if they can. Um, I don't really agree with all of it, which we're going to get into, but um, <laughs> we uh, it's just it's one of those things. It's a fad like everything else. So, so to get back on track, thank you, Robert. Um, what made you decide, like, oh, I, I really love music, I love singing, I know, I'll do worship. Why not go to Nashville or start a band or, you know, what made you want to do this in particular thing? Oh, man, it's interesting that you say all that. So, first off, um, in high school, I was called, uh, I just felt called by the Lord to be in ministry. I didn't know what that was. Let me say that. I called my mom when when I felt the Lord impress this on my life, and she just started bawling on the phone, and she said, I, I felt this as well, but I didn't want to say anything and persuade you one way or another. I wanted it to be from the Lord. Um, so I knew I was called to ministry, tried a bunch of different stuff, I'm not going to lie, and landed on music because that's where my gifting is. Um, so went to college, tried starting a few bands. Long story short, that didn't work. Um, while I was in uh, the the area that with you guys, I'll just say that um, my wife. We we refer to it as we refer to it as the young adult ministry. Okay, times. so while I was while I was with you guys in the the young adult times, uh, Christy actually took me to Chicago and surprised me and took me to um, American Idol. And I tried out for American Idol. Not a ton of people know that. And I, it's not one of those that I like go around saying I didn't make it like um, and they look for very specific things. So you walk into this this stadium of 10,000 people and they might pick like 100 to 60 of them. And so they're looking for, for very specific stuff. And I was not what they were looking for. And not to lie to you, it just completely crushed me. Um, like hmm. I walked out, uh, they like heard you out and just dump you out on the street after you're done and they don't pick you. I mean, it's, it's the worst feeling in the world for, uh, an emotional music person, which we all are emotional. And I just sat on the curb and I was composing myself and I just started crying. Um, and it wrecked <laughs> me and it, it, that though helped me realize that maybe that's not where God wanted me and maybe he wants me in churches and helping churches, whether they're big, whether they're small, it doesn't matter. Maybe that's where he wants me. Hmm. I, I'll say this. I have a greater respect and esteem for the worship pastors and leaders who are in the churches than I do some of the people who've made it big through things like American Idol or even some of the Christian music scene because there's this, uh, I, I'll call it a temptation to be the show. Mm-hmm rather than embody the worship. Yeah. My perspective. Yes. Interesting. Uh-oh, Lindsay's thinking. Okay. Can I... I want... First, I want, like, a textbook definition of worship. And Man, I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> well, you and Rob can have at it, because I... This is... I'm interested... <laughs> So let's like you want a textbook definition of worship. Okay, here you go. So 
there's a there's the noun and the verb. Uh, the noun is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Doesn't say God for a deity, because all religions worship. We we have to say that right out of the gate. Um, we are not separate in worshiping a deity. Uh, here's the verb. Show reference and adoration for a deity. Honor with religious rites. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, like, Rob's over there is, like, trying to hold in, bust out laughter. Um, say the thing about rights again. What did, what did you say about rights? Uh, honor with religious rites. So, ultimately, rituals, right? Now, that's where I think the world... In our religion, if you want to call it that, Christianity, and I wouldn't even say all of Christianity, but that's where we differ. And and I don't know whether you want this to, to come at the end or the middle or right in the beginning, but I will say this. Like, Rob said a lot. By the way, it was the surprise episode. The one that you called surprise because I went back and listened to it and because I wanted to grasp a little bit more of where you guys were. Um, and you guys talked about a lot of acts of worship, uh, a lot of like doing things and the human side of worship. And that's where I think this definition just hit is the human side of worship. Um, the thing that you said, Rob, oh, where is it? Oh, no. He's preparing to directly quote me. This is dangerous. Uh, no, it's not direct quotes. Um, this, one, this one might be. But you actually said, we have the equation wrong. Do you remember what you said and why our equation was wrong? And can you restate that? Um. Okay, from the top of my head, if I'm remembering this correctly, I said that we have the equation wrong based on the ideas that we keep creating shows within our worship structure and worship time. Rather than rather than doing something that is a true, legitimate act of worship, we create an experience that plays on the emotions, that plays That's on... It. Yeah. So, you said we create an experience... But everything in life is an experience, one way or another. So the issue that, that the world differs from, like, and religions differ from what we believe is that we should, we should be pushing people towards a relationship with Christ instead of a religious act of Christ. So many times, so many times... We focus on this is what you are to do. I had this conversation with somebody else just this morning. We have these to-do lists. You need to do this. You need to do that. You have to raise your hands. You have to lay prostrate. You have to shout. You have to jump. You have to cry. You have and do it at this time. Um, and you know you have to listen to this song. And when you listen to this song, you better get into this posture. What? Like. The second we begin doing that, it becomes a worldly act again. It isn't true worship. And so when we take the relationship out of worship, that's when it becomes wrong. So my husband and I were talking last night about this, and he made the allusion to sex, actually. That 
sex is great. <laughs> <laughs> sex is fantastic. <laughs> does does it everything? Well, we just got like, a PG thirteen rating. But out rating. of context, out of context, it is just biology, and there's no relationship. So yes, in the same way, possibly worship and all the jumping around and or not because there's plenty of I have plenty of Baptist listeners um, that don't do any of that stuff but still sit stand sit stand sit stand this and that okay hold on hold on hold on uh, because my Baptist my background is Baptist I'm about I'm at a Baptist church right now and I don't just stand around let me throw that out there so we we need to be cautious and oh, no, careful this is putting my people, people in a denominational <laughs> structure yeah. and like saying this is what you are <laughs> no no true but the people I know the Baptists that I know are very very conservative yes. very conservative I, I'm gonna hit a timeout on this one because there is an interesting little rabbit trail that we can talk about in this. All right, so TJ, you said you're Baptist, or that's your background. Mm-hmm. Um, are you still with the Baptists now, or are you in a different denominational structure? So I'm, I grew up Southern Baptist. I'm in uh, a church that is a part of the SBCV, so the Southern Baptist of Conservatives. Um, and um, so... Yes, ultimately I am I would still consider myself Baptist. It's probably out of everything that I've dealt with in my life, that's where I kind of landed. Okay. And then Lindsay, you specifically, your background is Um I grew up in a non denominational church, but it was more charismatic, I think. More Protestant. Okay. I mean, um Pentecostal. And then <laughs> not Protestant. <laughs> also Protestant, but no. <laughs> All right, and then I grew up in an Episcopalian church with hints of Methodism, and I serve in a PCUSA church. So there are different worship structures that we can talk about with each of those groups yep. then as well, because how I approached it as an Episcopalian as a kid and how I approach it as a, as a Presbyterian now is very different than the primary core of the conversation we're having, but... I just wanted to take that brief rabbit trail, lay that out. We'll probably dive into that a little further in a bit. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) For each of us, then, the value of worship is slightly different based on that backdrop. But you guys come at it from a contemporary perspective. Is that fair? What do you mean by contemporary, exactly? No hymns, no organs. Right. Well, we can't say no hymns. I don't use an organ unless it's like a pad in the background. We sang, yeah, we sang some hymns, but a lot of it was not hymns. Okay, no hymns to organs. How about that? But we we have to state, at least I have to state, I think there is a place and a time for hymns. It is our background uh, in worship. It is where we began, where we're grounded. But what I do not like, and I don't know if you're going here at all, because I hear this all the time at churches when they're trying to transition from a more traditional hymn, organ, piano background to a contemporary worship background, that it's it sounds too worldly. It sounds too worldly. We don't we don't want this because it sounds too okay. Time out. Let's go back in music history. Because where were the t- where did the tunes come from in hymns? Bars and saloons. Boom. <laughs> 
bars. <laughs> they so they literally were singing songs to Jesus that the tunes were in a time of prob- more than likely drinking. I'm not saying drinking's bad. Let's throw that out there before all the everybody's like, <laughs> oh my god. Um, so it's we started in worldly era. And did you know that they struggled actually bringing the organ in? And then they struggled in the church bringing the piano in because the piano was was used in bars. So at one time, a piano was the contemporary worship of the day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, the history of the church is not adaptive and quickly. And those who do adapt or fall into worldly traps, but also then bring the church along in a generation or so. Yeah. The worship changes with time, and there's there's a degree of those who are ahead of it and those who are behind it. Which makes sense, because if you define worship as a ritual, that is going to change. Ritual changes over time. It's just going to mm-hmm. happen. However, you're, you seem to be saying that worship's more than that. So what is it to you? Personally, what is it to you? I think we get stuck in the church. When we hear the word, okay, let me just ask this question because I was going to answer it, but I would rather ask a question. Uh, when when we say worship, when you hear that word, where does our mind go to? Well, if you're in church staring at a stage, you're talking about music and words on a screen. That's what you're talking about at, at a church, looking at a proscenium arch. I would say 90% of people, when they hear worship, they think of a place they think of a building, they think of music, and worship encapsulates so much more than that. I think Rob hit on it a little bit at the end of the surprise episode, and I'm sure I have it here somewhere, um, <laughs> but he talked about it being a, being a little bit more. That worship is not a one-and-done thing. We should not come on Sunday mornings just to get our worship experience and then leave and live our life like hell the rest of the time. It's about a lifestyle of worship. Like David said in in Psalms that my cup what? Overflows. Overflows. And that's his worship. His worship was overflowing. His life was overflowing with God. And I think when we come into church, most of the people that come into American church are empty when they come in. So they're just getting filled up again. They're not overflowing. I think church is not about coming that one time to get the experience to be filled up, but that's to come that one time to be overflowed because your cup's already full. And you're coming to experience and fellowship with that together. Um, I see a church service as more of a celebration than I do a learning experience. So that was one thing that I differed from Rob. Because he was talking about... We, we tried to... Uh, one time we, he was talking about like the the worship and being super energetic and everything and he said we try to skip the valleys it's easier to go from mountaintop to mountaintop and perform a show and and I don't disagree with that but I don't think an hour on Sunday is really where we should be trying to fulfill somebody in the valley I think that's where discipleship happens I agree yes but there's an aspect of discipleship that should also be reflected in worship I agree I don't think that Every Sunday should be one of those times that 
we only talk about the positive stuff. Because there is negative stuff that's happening in our world. There is negative stuff that's happening in our families and happening around us. And so we have to get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, But I think too many times we look at the church and we say, are they fulfilling that hour in the congregation's life so that then we can we can utilize that hour as much as we can because our congregation isn't getting God anywhere else. Right. Where we should be using that to propel them to grow during the week and be discipled during the week. And so I think that the church service should be a celebration and kind of like a church huddle. And then when they leave the building, they're going on the field. So when do they get filled? I mean, I think it does happen sometimes, like, in church. That's what church is about. That's why it's a celebration. And, but, I mean, our church has life groups, so we, we are, we use this, this statement, we are not a church with life groups, we're a church of life groups. Most of our discipleship and the nitty-gritty happens during the week, so we try to really push people into life groups so they can, they can get that. And then that life group, it kind of becomes a family, so instead of, um, you were talking, Rob, in one of the episodes, I don't know if it was a surprise episode, maybe it was last episode, that when a pastor gets so big and then falls and the church falls apart, like, we don't want that. So we use our life groups as many churches, like Lindsay was talking about, where those many churches, those life groups, and those life group, that life group leader is a pastor to their group. So if they go to the hospital, they don't call the pastor first. They call their life group leader first and their life group is the one that gathers around them. Now we as pastors know about it, but we're not the ones that normally get the first call unless someone has like completely died. I mean, you (laughs) laugh, but it's just that like the big things in people's life, that's what we get calls for. We don't get calls if somebody gets into a, like a minor car accident and gets taken to the hospital. Yeah. And and I laugh because I mean that, Ideally, that's actually how the system is supposed to work. It's supposed to be more like the the life group model you're talking about is more like the model from the Acts. Yeah. And what the disciples were trying to set up, where you have these groups in the city who meet together, who come together, but they're also community. They're house churches uh, who come together under one apostle, one disciple, and it builds the greater picture of the church. And that's where they get into the nitty-gritty of life and and the harder aspects of life. Now, we are going through Romans right now. The whole, like, first three or four chapters of Romans is just about God's wrath and, like, how he is going to send lightning down from heaven to kill everybody because we are just terrible people. And, like... <laughs> um, but... And we aren't straying away from that. Like, Pastor Herschel's going verse by verse on it. Um, so we're not skipping things to, to make it what we want to. And it, that's been hard to go through as a church uh, because we see it as a celebration service. But here's the positive part. There might be God's wrath, but the celebration is the blood of Jesus. And so we get to relish in that celebration of the blood of Jesus. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I could probably keep going on, but... <laughs> But Romans is actually even then a beautiful reflection of that yep. because you have the buildup in Romans 1 to 7 that's a lot of wrath, a lot of you're horrible, you're, you're dead, you're doomed. 
but then you get into Romans 8 and things just, it, it's like a light switch. It just starts flipping real fast. Yeah. And what Paul lays out and grows into, and even looking at and speaking to the ideas of worship that are beyond the music, beyond Sunday mornings, you get into Romans 12 and that first line that everyone can quote of, you know, this is your spirit. Uh, so I get it right. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the... Me- Let me read it into the mic so I actually get that clear. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Uh, Can you read verse 2 as well? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then moving into what I was going to say from verse 1 is the reason it's bodies, is it's your entire life has to connect into worship, not just these moments of music, and that's that's not what's in Romans, because when you connect your life... The second verse is what we're missing so much in the American church, because it's it's not just about the transfer tra- transferring or the renewal of the mind, who does that renewal? Too many times we're focused on the religious acts. And so let's say somebody's struggling with a sin. Uh, there's this do's and don'ts list. Well, don't struggle with that sin. Don't, you know, think about this. Don't think about that. But we stop for a moment and, and just say, focus on Jesus. Because Jesus is what changes you. Jesus is what renews you. And so don't be conformed to this world, but don't even look to the world. Look to Jesus. Um, I think so many times we focus on the sin when we try to get rid of a sin in our life, and then we end up doing that sin because we're just thinking about the sin. <laughs> like trying not to think about the word think. <laughs> <laughs> or the game. You're welcome. I, I'm not losing the game. I won the game. I'm thinking of Barney. I won the game back in 2006. So, like... <laughs> Lindsay, are you aware of the game? Is this where you guys slap each other or something? You s- no, that would be stupid. <laughs> That's funny. It's a little hard. It's a little hard over Zoom. What's the game? You don't want to know. If you oh. think of the game, you lose the game. Oh, okay. It was the dumbest thing ever invented. And where we were all together, the youth ministry, it was like the thing. Every, so we would be in the food area. I lost the game! And everybody would be like, ah! Like, <laughs> oh, it was just... <laughs> Still is. Still is. I is have a couple really? students who are like, hey, how's the game going? Ah, oh, dang it. No, we don't do that here. I don't even think... Yeah. I won't let our kids know I have know not been is. a part of a youth ministry for the past 15 years where that doesn't happen. Somehow the game gets tied into it. Once I left from where we were, that area, it all disappeared, and I praised the Lord really? for it. The game went away, and so did snow. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just a Pennsylvania thing. I don't know. Hmm. So back on track. <laughs> <laughs> And now everyone who's listening has lost the game. Anyway. (laughs) See, this is what happens when you get a youth director and a worship pastor in the same spot at the same time. It's like ADD. There's so many worse things that could be happening right now. So let's just be glad it's Uh, this. Yes, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, I wore my my Jurassic Park shirt just for you, Rob. Oh, dude, it... 
Well, and and I mentioned it before we started recording. I love the the pictures in the background there, Mickey and Donald. And I did see the Jurassic Park shirt. I didn't get a com- <laughs> chance to comment on it. I love it. I saw it in my video, and I was like, oh yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you derailed me. I had a thought. I had uh, a, a question I was going to bring up, and now I'm. Where am I? I mean, we were on worship, and what is worship? Like, what was worship to me? Uh, we transition there into kind of like a little bit of structure of of worship, but we really <laughs> haven't do- like dove into a lot of structure and why we do what we do, and um, I'm sure that's coming. Yeah, I, Lindsay, where are you at? Let's let's do a check in. Well, okay. So my experience in church has been my not church, but specific places like that youth ministry, certain youth groups, certain places I've been, there's this emphasis on pressing in. Like they say things like press in and especially at the young adult ministry, like you could do do what you're doing more, come like come up here sort of sort of vocabulary. And I was just wondering what what is that about exactly? So first, let's state uh, I am not a, a, an expert when it comes to the Pentecostal side of worship. I understand it. I understand where it comes from. But I'm actually dealing with some stuff right now because of a student that I had that went away to a certain college uh, so he was he was raised Baptist, went to a certain college, came out Pentecostal, and he made a statement um, that I that I personally don't agree with. And I'll say what the statement was, and then I'll explain kind of my stance behind it. But I'm trying to think how to say this without getting into a whole nother topic in and of itself. But I don't think there is a way to say it without it. So here you go. So he was dealing with speaking in tongues. <laughs> and I know I said it. Um, and he had never spoken tongues before. Uh, there was a whole experience that you guys are talking about. And I won't go into the whole story. Long story short, the first time um, he ever spoke tongues was at work, not at a church. And he made the statement that you can control when you speak in tongues and that you can control the spirit moving and when he does and that if you don't want to speak in tongues in that moment, you don't have to. And I had to gather my thoughts because I, I'll be honest, like I really love the student. I want to encourage him. I don't want to discourage. And I said when he got back into this area, we were going to sit down and have a conversation. I do not agree that you can control the spirit. The second we say we can control the spirit and when he moves, you just said, I control God. Yeah. Absolutely not. If God wants you to speak in tongues, by the way, uh, I don't not believe in speaking in tongues. I'm a Baptist, and I believe God can use whatever he wants to, uh, whenever he wants to. Um, And, Lindsay, I think in the first 
in Time's episode, you talked about something, I can't remember, but uh, you were talking about the cessation of the gifts of the, the, the spiritual gifts. Um, there are verses that talk about if, like, depending on however you want to take it, um, them ceasing. And I, I was going to get them together and I forgot about it and I just remembered. But I've sat down with a lot of Baptist pastors that believe that gifts of tongue and miracles and prophecy, they're, they're ceased. They're done for this time period. And they have scripture to back it up. I've also seen where people don't agree with that at all. In this case, I do not believe that tongues has ceased. If God wants to use it, he can, but it has to be in the proper context. So many people say, well, I wasn't speaking in the gift of tongues. I was using a private prayer language, but you were standing in front of me when I was on the stage. It's no longer private. You should have an interpreter. If I can hear it, you should have an interpreter. And the other issue I have um, is that when they speak in tongues, and I've talked to a lot of people that have, let me like a lot of people, because I've been trying to grasp and understand all this. They don't know what they say. What? Like, that could be a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast. But I struggle with that, because why would the Lord not want you to know what's going on? Mm. Like, I have so many questions about it, but I do not agree <laughs> that you can you can tell God when he's going to move and when he's not going to move. That is unbelievable to me. I, I think we kind of have to camp on some of the things you just went through. Um <laughs> Because there's a lot in there to to unpack and and talk further about. I, I will say this, uh, Lindsay, you and I will have to start talking more and figure out when we're going to do an episode on spiritual gifts. And I think maybe we bring DJ in again for that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's a really big, big conversation. Well, let me say this. I do believe that things like prophecy and miracles have not ceased. Why would God not, or why would God continue to use those, but not something else? And on top of that, I have been a part in front of the moment we laid hands on somebody and they, they were healed. Like it was absolutely, I mean, one of the most incredible experiences of our lives. And because of that, another young man that was in the ministry, in the youth ministry, um, like, that's an incredible story, but that young man is now a youth pastor because of what happened. Is this maybe not a good time to go into that? Because I'm curious. I'd like to know, but if you don't want to, you I mean, don't I have can, to. I can try to tell the, the quick story. The healing. Um, I, I'm interested in what happened. Yeah. So um, we were in a foreign country. A big surprise, right? Um, <laughs> and we were on the mission field, and Baptists are not known for prayer walks. Let me just... <laughs> like, yeah, when yeah. you when you look at a baptism and say hey let's go on a prayer walk they were like wait you want us to do two things at once <laughs> like <laughs> yeah and so, and so um so we were on this prayer walk it was probably like seven or eight of us and we walked up to this one house and we were praying over it and all of a sudden this lady came out of the house and um <laughs> And I guess she saw we were white. Obviously, white people come because they're on mission field. Like, why else would we come to the slums of, I think it was, uh, 
I don't know if that was El Sal- No, that was Costa Rica. And just an interesting situation. My, the, the wife came out and said, my husband is on his deathbed. Um, he is, has begun coughing up blood. Will you guys pray for him? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was one translator, me as the leader, like five or six other students. The wife helped this man hobble out into the yard, into a lawn chair, like one of those plastic chairs. I'll be honest, to this day, we have no idea what the dude had. So the fact that the youth that were there didn't even question laying hands on him is beyond me. Um, Once again, this was in a Baptist church. So we had cultivated an environment that laying hands on people and things like that was was biblical and that we were supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. And so we went, we laid hands on him, and I stopped and I looked around and I said, do any of you believe that this man's not going to be healed? And they were like, um... No, I said, okay, let me make this very clear. If you believe in this moment that God will not heal this man, get outside the fence right now. I don't even want you in this yard. And nobody moved and everybody stayed there and we laid hands on him. And I looked at this kid named Stephen Day. <laughs> I turned to him. I said, all right, it's your time to pray. And he, he looked at me. He goes, what? <laughs> I said, it's your time. It's your time to pray. Just pray. Pray for what? Pray that God will heal him. Do you believe God will heal him? Well, yeah, but you're the pastor. Nope, your turn. And this dude, I'm not kidding, prayed one of the most powerful prayers I have ever heard in my entire life. I mean, to this day, if there was a moment God was going to get somebody to speak in tongues, that would have been it. Let me, let me throw that in there. <laughs> It was so powerful. And he... um. When he was done praying, the man that was coughing up blood stood up, took the the rag away from his mouth, and legitimately, like, stood up on his own, stopped coughing. He was coughing up blood, completely stopped coughing, and was healed in that moment. Then, that family came to church that night, and that man got saved. That is why God performed that miracle. Because he got the glory through it, not anybody else. Now, I will say this. Stephen Day, he said it was the craziest experience he's ever had in his entire life because he felt something go from his head to his feet, collect in the the middle of his body, and come out his hand. Tell me that's not the Holy Spirit. I mean, come on. (laughs) TJ, I think you hit on... on the huge core piece of, because I'm with you, I do believe that we still live in an age of miracles, of tongues, of, of grace that we cannot explain, but I think you hit on the core point that will be a discussion definitely for later, <laughs> but it's at the end, who got the, the glory for it? Who got the credit? Who? 100%. God. And this is why I think that miracles don't happen mm-hmm. here. Yeah. That that requires more to unpack at another time. Yep. But it's at the end of the day, if it's here, then we create a miracle based ministry and we we bless the water and send that out for twenty bucks. You know. Yep. Word. 
But that situation, I mean, that that jives with my spirit. That that feels like something that yes, I've I've seen not a healing like that, but I've seen the spirit move in those ways. That it, when it happens, you just know you can't do anything to explain it beyond the spirit did. Yeah. And the the whole idea, looping back to the statement from another student of yours, the whole idea that we can be the ones to enable or empower the spirit within our worship, within our uh, acts of life and our speaking, our tongues, our whatever, that is such... But what's it's baloney. what's the difference I mean, it, though between what you just said of okay we know everybody believes therefore God must what's the difference between that and what the kid said I don't think God must in those moments and I do think we need to be cautious in saying like in phrasing it that way um, but I do believe if there is disbelief in someone that it won't yeah and that's I think that's a big reason why we don't see miracles. In the United States, because so many times we say, oh, well, God can if he if he wants to. And even Stephen in his prayer, in his prayer, I remember him saying this. God, we can't do something like this. Only you can. And we pray that, that you heal this, but your will be done. And I think that's where we have to get to. Where it's God's God's timing, God's will, when God wants to get the glory. And um, I think too many times we we just question God and his power. Um, and I think the second we begin completely questioning God and his power, I mean, that's a whole story for another time. I, I guess, don't, but I'm not sure. I think people question his willingness to do it. Cause I don't, I mean, if you believe in what the Bible says at all... I don't think the question is, can God, it's will God, or does he want to? Does he want to heal me? Does he want to save me? Does he? Well, what about the time that the uh, the disciples were trying to cast out demons and those people, and then all of a sudden, Jesus came over and, and he did it in God's power, and then uh, they were like, well, why were you able to do it and we weren't? What You're looking it up, aren't you? Like, can you... I, that's exactly what I was trying to find right there because it's uh, the disciples went out. They had these moments of power because that's right after the first missional discourse. And they had the ability to cast out demons. They had the ability to heal people. But then they hit this one roadblock that was a reflection of, okay, your faith can take you so far. But if you have any kind of hindering, you're going to hit it. And that was why. And, and it also turned around to reflect on Christ to give him the glory to show that, look, when you fully walk and it's Peter getting out of the boat again, it's, uh, it's the miracles of Christ and the belief and the, the, the doubt, how they work and how they play into our lives and can train wreck things where we can get two steps on the water, but then we sink and we can cast out, but then we can't. And it's just that little bit, that little itty, itty bitty teeny weeny grain of doubt. Uh, that can just it, hinder us, not the Spirit. Because the Spirit mm. will work, the Spirit will move, and the Spirit will be glorified through God, through Christ, through the works of God, no matter what. Whether we're there to align with it or not. Hmm. 
See, th- this is that part where there's always silence, and I'm like, did I screw something up? No. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, and I think this is where a lot of our backgrounds begin to come together and show the difference. Um, now, I say backgrounds, but I grew up Baptist where they didn't believe in tongues and like I could, you know, go down the list of things they didn't believe. It took me to college and being around Calvinists to understand that there's different stuff out there and I could figure out what God wants, what God is, who God is. Um, I don't have to just listen to somebody. What does believe mean just agree with? Oh man. Mm. It depends on the context and depends on if you're reading the Greek or not. <laughs> Just casually throwing the Greek out. Boom. In in scripture, I don't remember the Greek word, but when it says believe in, uh, sp- proclaim with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, it does not mean just to believe. I don't understand what that means. (laughs) It it does not mean just, okay, it does not mean just head knowledge. That word in the Greek is to have head knowledge and to have action behind that head knowledge. So, I I don't get it. Like, I believe that if I turn my water faucet on, water's going to come out. And if I turn the lights on, electricity's going to come on. Is that the same? Like, I just take for granted these stories in the Bible. I know them so well. Does that mean I believe them or does that mean I just know them really well? You know? So I'm, I'm going to break this down, I guess. And TJ, jump in if you think I'm, I'm getting an analogy wrong. The belief that is used in that Greek, Greek word, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to get my Greek dictionary open to get that, um, it's a little more akin to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've seen this? Yeah. All right. Where he has to go through those challenges to get to the Holy Grail, and he gets to that one that is the uh, the leap of faith. Yeah, the invisible bridge. It's the, the believe verb is more akin to that, where it's, it's not just I believe, but taking action in belief. And, and that's the beauty that's lost in our English translations. But if you're praying for someone that they be healed, isn't that what you're doing, though? Yeah, but there's a difference between praying for someone to be healed and then the 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 utter abandonment of doubt. Because I can pray for anyone to be healed doesn't mean that I believe they'll be healed. There, there's action and then there's a, a removal of doubt behind action. So I, I truly do think we could be stuck on this for another, like, 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> but you have to go in, like, 10, right? Um, so I, I've got a few more minutes. I, I've got to get microchipped today. I mean, vaccinated. <laughs> right? Is it microchips oh, or vaccines? Oh, my goodness. So what other questions do we have specifically for? the? And the reason I went off on all these tangents is because that's what I believe worship is. I believe worship encompasses all of this. I believe it encompasses <laughs> I believe it encompasses music. I believe it encompasses Bible study. Um, I believe it encompasses all of these other things, healings and and prophecy and um, fellowship. Fellowship is another thing that I think we miss when it comes to worship. And so 
worship, that's where that over that cup overfloweth, I think, comes from. It's not just that one and done thing. It's a lifestyle of all these things put together. All right. So I got one for you, TJ. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. I mean this with all due respect. <laughs> but if all what you're saying is true, then why did you spend all that money to go to school to worship? Uh, so I didn't. You so, didn't oh, go let to me school? say, I, I started. I started uh, going to school for worship. Um, I went to uh, I went to North Greenville University in South Carolina and went strictly for music and music ministry. Halfway through my music ministry whole thing, um, and and finishing the hardest thing that this music ministry has, I said this is not for me, and I changed my major to music and media. So I cha- I changed my major from strictly music to something called interdisciplinary studies between music and mass communications um, and actually spoke to the mass communications department and got them to agree to allow me to do all the classes that it's hands on journalism, web design, uh, radio, TV station, uh, advertising, commercializing, all this different stuff. So I could take what I was using there and bring it over into the church and help churches with it. Um, so I was not only music and I didn't go strictly, especially in the end for music ministry. Um, I went for music and media. Cool. So you're, so you, not that I care, but are you a pastor? Yeah, I'm actually an associate pastor. Cool. Okay. Just curious. <laughs> All right. You threw the Greek out. Here it is. It's pistevo. <laughs> okay. And one of the definitions of pistevo is to rely on, to trust. It can be translated as believe, but it's also to rely on, to trust. That's interesting. I don't know what what I am then. I'm not really sure. How, like, what's, what's the difference between me just sort of being a knee-jerk Christian, this is what I do, this is what I've always done, and I know these stories really well. What's the difference between that and, okay, I rely on and trust God? I don't know if that's what I do. I'm not really um, sure. So I would say if somebody was to say that to me, like off camera and everything else, my advice to them would be it's about a relationship. It's about a relationship, not the ritual act. I believe what you just described are ritual acts and not relationship. I believe when we get into a relationship, a true relationship, you want to know more about that person and you get to a you get to a place where the trust is deepened it's not just about the things that you do anymore but it's about that deep love and trust for that person and i think that's where that that ground begins to shift and break hmm. and and i would agree with that where it's not just it's not just the act of being in the church building in a setting of worship, it's walking in that relationship. It's that journey that I keep referencing back to because worship is, to me, I I use journey because that's what it is to me. It's to walk with God, to experience different moments that are up, that are down, that are just dynamic because it's life together. And I think that's what our spiritual life is supposed to be, a journey. I think that's what sanctification is is a journey like sorry i threw out the big word I, you keep throwing big words out 
But, you know, like, it's it's almost time to be done. And we didn't even get to what I wanted to talk about. Um, but maybe we weren't supposed to. And, um, you know, maybe we were supposed to just land here and and whoever's going to hear this is going to grab hold of this. I, uh, we do need to kind of start wrapping this up. But, um, TJ, if you're open to it, do you think we could maybe do a second episode of this? Yeah, I mean, I don't mind. Um, I really want to talk about Lights and Fog and... Um, and the actual worship experience, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the ups and downs, the positives, I, the negatives of it, um, what the purpose is behind it all. Because, like, I think the people that say, because you made a comment about, one of you made a comment about lights and, and fog and the experience behind worship. And I think, I believe there is a time and place for it, just like there's a time and place for organ and hymns. <laughs> all right, well... I think we have our next episode. If if you're up for it, we'll get a date and time and do that pretty quick. Yep. I'm I'm gonna end us here with one last question directly for TJ. Uh, what kind of coffee do you drink? Uh, depends on the day. Um, if I'm feeling really, you know, bougie, um, I'll uh, we have a cappuccino machine, so I'll make I'll make some lattes or something like that. Like today. I made a uh, hazelnut latte with one squirt of hazelnut and just some milk and coffee, uh, two shots. Um, wow. Sometimes I drink black. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> sometimes I drink. Sometimes I drink it black. Sometimes I drink straight milk. It just you know it doesn't matter. It just depends on the day. <laughs> sometimes I pull a Michael Scott and I just put sugar and milk and heat it up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so sorry. One of the things that that I'm we're gonna try and do for any time we have a guest is uh, we're gonna send you coffee. Oh, then Onyx, so, Onyx Ethiopian blend. Uh, no, no, no. I get the good <laughs> stuff. There's some. There's a local roaster out here who I love. Uh, they're friends of mine. They work for the company. It, it's good stuff. I sent Lindsay. I'll some tell you if on. it's better than Onyx. How about that? You can't be mad if it's not. All right. So you like an Ethiopian? I, blend. I like the the like. The fruitiness mixed in with like the nutty, like Ethiopians, that good mix between dark and and light. And it's like right in that, right in that section of incredibleness. Okay. Whole bean or definitely whole bean. Who would get ground? You gotta, you gotta grind it and cook it right then. Four kids, (laughs) four kids. I don't do that. TJ, you're speaking my language. I love you. You're speaking how I do it. Yes. It was nice so. having you, though. Oh, definitely. Yes, it was. Thank you, TJ. We're going to have to do another episode where we'll call that the lights and fogs. Light and fog. So, uh, thank you to everyone who has joined in listening and taking part with us as well. If you have any other questions you want to jump in or join the conversation, follow us on social media. You can find the 42 podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you can also email us at badtheologyproductions at gmail.com. And oh my gosh, TJ, we entirely forgot to do this. You redesigned our logo for us. Yeah, It's really not that big of a deal. Like, I'm not just being like that humble person. It's oh, like, please. it's not that it was easy. <laughs> yeah. You're being a humble person. Um, we need to definitely next episode. We need to actually open with I that. I didn't even want to be told that I was a person <laughs> that I don't care. 
I did it out of the goodness of my heart because I, I believe care. in what you guys are doing. That's just the truth. I really enjoyed well, it. Well, and that's but that's just the part that we're trying to even connect into because it's you know we we're grateful for you. We're grateful for you coming on for the conversation and you know even believing in what we're doing as a podcast. Thank you. So you know we want to praise you as well. So I guess I'll release the the new design with this one but we should maybe take five minutes to talk about that and some of the really neat things you put in that let, don't talk about it just let people find them that's that's why they're there all right all like right. if people don't ever see it it's okay <laughs> for the people that that grab those easter eggs that'll be fun all right well that'll be up with this episode as well so tj thank you for jumping on uh Lindsay, i i think we got most of your questions but we need to get more yep. so right. we'll get there all right thank you guys for having me yeah Hey, absolutely. So, goodbye. Okay, All right. See ya. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to the 42 podcast. Please take a moment to like and subscribe. And if you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter to add your voice to the conversation. Thank you.